Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to today's Capital One Listening and Leading Seminar. We're pleased to offer this session today on time with the NCA Media and Coordination and Statistics staff. Um, we're going to be answering your questions on COVID-19 policies for the fall and spring sports and record keeping um, information like that. Um, for today, uh, we have four panelists from the NCA staff. We have Zahar Abdul Rashid, Matt Holmes, Jennifer Williams, Jennifer Rogers and Jeff Williams, sorry about that. Uh, my name is Chuck Young. Um, I'm the Assistant AD for Communications at Maryville University in St. Louis, and I'll be the moderator for this webinar. Once again, we appreciate everyone joining us today. We know there's a, a lot going on with, uh, with both basketball and a, a spring sports are ramping up, so we appreciate that. Uh, a couple things before we begin, we'd like to say a quick thank you to our corporate sponsor, Capital One presenting sponsor of COSIDA's Professional Development and the Continuing Education Series. Also, as a reminder, the on-demand webinar will be posted later on today on COSIDA.com and COSIDA's YouTube channel also. This will also appear as a podcast and you'll be able to download it from the services listed on COSIDA.com. Please invite uh, all your colleagues to listen in and watch the on-demand webinar as it is free to everybody. Thanks again to everyone who's already submitted questions in advance, and we also encourage you to submit questions as you as you, the uh, seminar goes on. Please place them in the chat box, and we'll try to get to them as we can. Uh, today, with each of our four to to topics will be covered by our panelists, and uh, each of them will give a short intro about themselves, and then we'll get going on that. We'll try to answer the uh, questions that do pop up during those times, but we'll also leave time at the end of uh, this, the sessions and we'll go over those. Um, leading off for us is going to be Jeff Williams, my good friend. Um, he's going to be talking about the importance of submitting schedules and rosters. Jeff, why don't you give us a quick uh, background about your about yourself and then we'll get us going here. Sure, Chuck, thanks and uh, always good to, to be with you guys and certainly thank you to everyone who's joining us, uh, taking the time out of your day. As, as Chuck said, it's a it's a really busy time right now with winter sports, spring sports, and even fall sports going on. So really, really challenging time for everyone. Um, so we appreciate the time that you guys have given us. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm in, uh, I just finished my 15th year um, at the NCAA. Seems hard to believe um, at this point. Uh, but uh, before that, I spent uh, eight years at a couple of different Missouri Valley Conference schools, uh, six years and two stints at uh, Missouri State University and then uh, two years in between there at the University of Evansville. And I was a, uh, I graduated from Washington Baptist where I did a lot of sports information work um, for, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a student there as well. So many, many, many years ago. So um, yeah, the thing I wanna talk about, the main thing, I, I just kinda wanna kick things off a little bit and just uh, talk a little bit. We're gonna try to keep our comments brief so that we can answer the questions that you guys have. We really want this to be driven by you guys and try to answer as many of those questions as you have. But really just want to stress how important it is, um, you know, as we continue to go through um, th this current academic year that you really keep your schedules and rosters up to date, even for the sports that aren't NCAA live stats. We all know by now the importance of rosters um, and schedules in the NCAA system when you're using NCAA live stats uh, for various sports. But even as we get into the spring, we really don't want to diminish those, uh, the importance of those for sports like baseball and softball. Uh, for rosters, for example, it's really the only way we know, uh, the only way to, to, to uh, make sure that we keep players linked um, as it relates to transfers or players that might be coming back that have fallen off the roster. If you took a player off the roster because they were going to sit out a year, 
uh, but they've come back um, to the team for the current year. It's really our only way to keep those links. So if you can really make sure you, you follow those, uh, I know that Matt will be giving some kind of tips on how to, uh, how to work with rosters um, here in a moment. And then schedules, we've, we've uh, over the last couple of years have now made it to where you can edit uh, your schedules and results through our, uh, through our portal. It's just stats.ncaa.org slash login. Uh, you can go in there, you can edit a schedule at any point during the season. You can mark a game as canceled, you can mark it as postponed, you can change a day, you can add an, uh, another uh, contest. Obviously, that's really important <laughs> the, under the current circumstances that we've been playing under this year. So, uh, and Jen, Jen will go through some more specific details on that, but something that we really want to stress, it, it's really helpful to us, but also that's the way we know that the game is scheduled to be played and that we should get that data from, from there. Also, it, obviously, it builds scoreboards and things like that. So just really important that you continue to do that. Uh, all of you guys do a fantastic job of keeping us up to date, um, but just always want to stress that. And so with that, I'll kind of kind of be quiet for now, um, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Matt and let him kind of discuss a little bit more about roster best practices, but also the thing that's going to be really important is highlighting some of the policies that we, we're instituting as it relates to, to, to the COVID situation and, and the current season. So Matt, I'll turn it over to you. No, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that again. My name is Matt Holmes, starting uh, year eight here at the NCAA. Previously worked as an SID in the membership at Western Illinois University, Western Michigan University, uh, and my alma mater, the University of Indianapolis, and now working on various things here at the NCAA, about five different sports across a couple of divisions. And also for all of those that follow along, I'm the main point of contact uh, and for the at NCAA Stats Twitter account. So appreciate everybody who follows us on there as well and kind of growing that. And those of you who have over the years have sent things and different stuff that we're able to highlight and help amplify, you know, statistical accomplishments and records on your campus. Jeff mentioned kind of in terms of rosters, uh, a question that we began to get really back last March and April when the seasons and everything began to, you know, shut down and postpone even going into the fall. And I'll start kind of with those spring athletes from 2020 who played partial seasons in 2020. And the question that's kind of come is, you know, what are those now? A sophomore softball player in 2020, and she comes back here to play in 2021, is she? You know, our recommendation has kind of been continue to advance players along the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior spectrum as they would normally. So that softball player that played in nine games last year in 2020 would now be a junior in 2021, a senior in 2022. And then if she chooses to use some of the eligibility uh, allowances that have been uh, you know, brought down, you know, she'd be a senior again. Uh, and that would kind of be, that's kind of our, been our consistent recommendation uh, from the, to the membership. Certainly, we're not mandating that that is anything that anyone is supposed to do. You know, schools have autonomy how they want to you know, display players on their roster. Uh, that's our recommendation. Our main point would be is make sure it's consistent. So what you're publicizing on your websites and your game programs and your record books, those different things, matches what the NCAA has. So if somebody looks at the national rankings on, on stats.ncaa.org and sees that a player is a freshman, that you're also saying she's a freshman or a sophomore and a sophomore, where we get confusion amongst, you know, between schools, media, fans, is a player's list is one year on a school's website, but that's not the same on the NCAA website. So 
the main point is consistency, but again, our recommendation would be to kind of keep on the general spectrum. If it is a situation where you have entirely opted out, there, there's no games being played at all, then certainly that would be a circumstance where the season would remain the same because there were no contests ever competed in any given year. So if you don't play, it would advance to the next year with just a year in between. They didn't use any um, things in a traditional sophomore season. So that's kind of been our general recommendation uh, to try and maintain some consistency across the membership along the lines of what to do with rosters, uh, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Um, a question that came in along this one um, is, you know, what to do with seniors that are actually now graduate students? That'd be consistent. That's what we've always done is, you know, that's still a senior, uh, right? A fifth year senior. So you might have on your NCAA roster, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, senior. Um, that's been pretty consistent. Uh, nothing really changes from that perspective. Uh, we don't offer graduate in our drop-down menu. So again, it would just be senior. Our drop-down menu is just the main four um, options that we have. Certainly, I know there are some schools that do, you know, include redshirt designations or if someone's a graduate student, list them as a graduate student instead of just putting as a senior. That is fine to continue to do on those institutional materials. Uh, you know, our system, we're not looking to add anything new and we'll maintain kind of the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Hey Matt, there was another question about uh, that was that was similar to what you were talking about. What's the rationale behind allowing individual career statistics to count for five or maybe even six seasons? Yeah, I think that's a, a good question. And you know, the easiest answer is it's part of their career. They're going to play those those statistics and games don't count any less because they got another year added on because of the situation that we're in across the country and across the world right now. It certainly could. You know, many of those seasons, I think now we're more in a situation, right, where you could get an additional full season that you might not have gotten. So per game statistics, it's going to go in. You're still going to divide by that certain number of games where you could get is something as in just accounting stat total points. You know, there could be something, and we already include for situations where a player redshirts in our record books and has five years, we include asterisks and notations in the NCAA record book right now that includes this player played five years because they only played seven games in this season because of injury or that situation. So we have accounted for that historically already in our record books. But again, those games won't count any different if they do get a fifth or in some rare cases, a sixth year. So, you know, that's our rationale to include, you know, and not make subjective decisions of which season is supposed to count towards their career. You know, those games, you know, are all regular games that count. And, and I think goes into, you know, kind of my second point. Some of you may have seen, I think it may have gotten posted uh, going back into the spring, you know, we had kind of worked on and based on a lot of questions we had gotten from the membership, uh, posted what we call our COVID-19 policies on the primary statistics page on nca.org. Uh, and the main one that's kind of coming into play now, particularly uh, in Division Two and Division Three, where you may be playing fall sports in the spring without an NCAA championship component, uh, you know, and how to designate those games. You know, certainly institutions and conferences are going to make that call, but if the, if the designation is made that those are going to be regular season games that count towards a conference championship, or then you'll go on to have a conference tournament, or you're looking to count that towards your overall record or your coach's record, you know, those are games, regular season games, and our expectations would remain the same uh, along those lines that 
uh, we would receive statistics. They would count into the national rankings. We would have national rankings. They would count towards your career statistics uh, and those kind of things. Um, you know, I know some schools may be looking to participate in the spring like they have in the past as a non-traditional season. You know, again, at that case, if you're playing scrimmages or exhibitions, uh, you know, we wouldn't need those. Uh, we wouldn't need those statistics similar to what you may have done in the past where in a sport like soccer, you played a handful of scrimmages in the spring. Uh, I think the main point that those decisions need to be made up front. It can't be a situation where you play a game, you're short staffed, and then after the game, hey, since we couldn't staff it, it's an exhibition game now. Those decisions need to be made up front on how you're looking so that everybody, you and your opponent, you're on the same page about how it's being approached. And those are kind of the main points, and there may be some follow-up questions. I haven't followed that, Chuck, so that may yeah, be. Yeah, no, there was another one about that. Um, there were kind of two that were related um, before we move back on to Zahar. Um, what about seniors that are currently seniors and then that are actually graduate students? So I guess people who are fifth-year you know, graduate students, and then they might come back for another year. How are, how are those going to be handled? Yeah, I think you sometimes see that where somebody graduates early, you know, as a junior graduates, again, they're part of your team. So you would use that add fifth year player option next year to add them back onto your schedule and they're part of your team. Uh, you list them, you know, as a senior again uh, on the NCAA roster. And then we would include those uh, going forward. Those would be additionally an additional season onto their career profile and any stats that they earn, you know, would accumulate as normal. I think it's Let's important, get, as Matt said, Chuck, to note that like there is a way to add those players back on, and, and Matt mm -hmm. touched on it. That add fifth-year player option when when updating a roster is really key, and and it may be worded poorly because it says add fifth-year player, uh, but the fact is, any player that you've removed from your roster in the last couple of years. Um, if they've come back onto your roster, let's say they, after their freshman year, they decided they weren't going to play, um, they come back, um, then, then yeah, you can hit that button and add them back on. And uh, yeah, I see that people are asking about a six-year player. Same thing is true. Anybody that has fallen off your roster for some reason, um, you know, either they've automatically come off or you've taken them off in a previous year, you can use that fifth-year player button. Um, and uh, you'll get a list of players who were on your roster in previous in the previous two years, but aren't currently on your roster now. And you'll just hit a button to add them back on. It's really simple. Uh, hopefully, we hope we we try to make that pretty easy for you and make sure those careers stay linked. All right, let's try to move along. Uh, we'll get, we'll get to those other questions as we can, but let's uh, move on to Zahar. She's third up on this list. Uh, she's going to give us a reminder on how. Uh, championship years are going to be recognized as well as credentialing uh, recommendations. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Sahar Abdur-Rashid. Um, like Matt, I'm entering my eighth year at the national office. Um, I have a host of championships as well, doing media coordination for FCS and um, Women's College World Series primarily, and then media coordination liaison for several championships such as swimming and diving, um, ice hockey, uh, D2 and 3 softball and um, from a statistical standpoint managing uh, for division one field hockey and division two field hockey as well. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit and switch gears and talk a little bit about media coordination at championships as well as a piece of record books. Um, from a record book standpoint we wanted to make sure we um, let everyone know that Although the fall moved to in between um, winter and spring, your fall season is still for this particular year, 2020. So please don't de designate it as anything different. It won't be the 2021 championship FCS. 
played in 20, even though it's played, it was the season for was 2020. So it will be played, in, even though it's played in 2021. Um, we just want to make sure that it's designated correctly for 2020. And that would be across the board for any of those fall sports. And then the same for the spring sports, they would stay in, in the current year cycle that we're in as well. And then moving on to media coordination, a couple of things we wanted to let the group know. Um, first, uh, a couple of weeks ago, everyone should have received um, an email with links to the return to championships guides. Um, we have them separated out by sport that are an, a guide um, to assist you as you're um, managing championships from both uh, a preliminary site uh, recommendation as well as all the way to the final sites of how to work with our tiers and, and, and manage the championship, not only from a media standpoint, but overall championship operations. Um, we ask that everyone review that document because it is specific for and design. So there, there may be a case where it, you know, some things may be different for your championship, but overall it's something that um, you can work with your media coordination liaisons to um, assist you from a media operations standpoint for the championship. Um, another thing with, with media credentials that fall under that guise of um, media operations, um, for the past maybe five plus years, I believe, we've been providing a generic credential um, to the membership if they, if they need it when they're hosting championships. We'll continue to do that. Um, that's typically for your preliminary sites and for sites that um, an NCAA media coordinator is not on site for, for final sites, um, so that if it hopefully is one less thing that you have to worry about as you're managing media operations for the championships. We'll continue to do that. Um, it's key that this year will be key that you are paying attention to not only the tiers um, and those access points for championships, but also um, you'll probably be getting information that's a little bit different from previous years regarding travel party and how you're able to utilize um, staffing for the travel parties um, just due to the fact Many of you are dealing with it on your campuses right now in regular season with um, media that you're allowing on and at your games. Um, the same will be said for the championships and you'll probably see some protocols in place for photographers and team photographers, team content, team videographers that may be a little different than previous years. So it'll be very important that you're working with your media coordination liaison, your operations staff, if you are hosting a championship um, so that because those policies will be a little bit different. And then lastly, I think it's, um, I've kind of said this along the line of, along the way, but it's important that you are communicating with, with us. If anything is changing, um, if, if something is abrupt um, with, you know, championships or, or, you know, if something just seems off, that's what we're here for. If we're not on site for the championships, we're still here to help you along the way with the championships that our staff is not able to be there for. So, and no question is, is a small question. Um, you'll be surprised. It may be something that, A, if we've never heard of it, we, we want to be able Able to let the rest of the, our staff know so that they can let everyone else know, or it may be something that we are aware of and, and we're you know, processing and figuring out the best way to alert the membership as well. Okay, let's move on to our uh, cleanup hitter. Um, Jennifer Rogers is going to be talking about um, some of our scheduling best practices, and it's is maybe where conferences revamp entire schedules and, and other big picture things like that. Jen? All the fun things. Hi everybody, I'm Jen Rogers. I'm in my uh, 16th year on staff. I primarily work with Division II sports, so I know a lot of you hear from me way too much for D2 volleyball and softball and basketball. Although this year I've moved over to <laughs> the D1 men's basketball as well. Um, so 
I'll go ahead and jump into some of these things scheduling. I actually know a couple people emailed me today about deleting their schedule because the conference has completely redone it. So um, we're here working out just like you are. So we have learned some things going through the winter. So for example, say your league does redo the entire schedule after you've already put your schedule into our system. What we figured out is the easiest way is to just let us know and our staff will go in and wipe out all conference games. Then you as a conference can go back in and enter the new schedule. It's just a lot easier than trying to edit games and decide what day they go on and then you can't edit your away games. It gets, it gets really messy. So that's the best way to do it. And along that process, if you know, once we let you know that it's you can go in and just put in your home games because that's going to put in the opponent's website as well. So that's a shortcut at least. We know um, we've heard some feedback on the um, edit schedule and we know it's a hassle that you can't auto upload, but hopefully we, you know, if you are just worrying about your home games and your opponents are taking care of their games, that shortens the process a little bit. That same uh, method would apply. So our spring links closed, but we know a lot of conferences didn't have their, you know, full conference schedule out yet for baseball and softball. So kind of the same method applies. Go ahead in as a league, put in your home games, you know, your opponent should be putting it in. It should populate your whole schedule. Um, Communication's just big there. So if you have a you know road game that needs to be fixed, don't hesitate to reach out to the opposing SID and just say, hey, can you adjust this? Or obviously you can let our staff know. We're always happy to make schedule changes though. I mean, baseball and softball, we love when you can make your own. <laughs> Especially for these three that you will get wiped out. Um, so along those same lines with schedules, some of you may have noticed from basketball, if a game is postponed or canceled, we're leaving that on your schedule. It's not deleted. We've also got some feedback on that, but that is selfishly for our purposes. We're charged with tracking how many games have been canceled, postponed, and played. So we realize it could look a little messy, but we're trying on our end to tabulate these uh, quote unprecedented games, how the season has progressed and, and what's happened with that. So. You know, we appreciate your patience. We know it isn't the cleanest look when um, you might have four games on one day, one that was originally scheduled and canceled, two that you tried to pick up and got postponed, and then a you know fourth game with the team down the street that's like, hey, we can play today. Um, so just bear with us on that. Again, if you ever have questions about schedules or you're running into issues, just let us know. We're happy to make those changes. Couple other things that we have been frequently asked about are attendance numbers and how to best accommodate those or list those when you do not have fans in attendance. We're saying to go with a zero, even though we recognize you do have your players there, travel party, or you might have a handful of venue workers there. We think zero is the easiest option for no fans, just because from a historical standpoint, when you look back at that in five years, you'll realize like, yes, we, we had no fans, our attendance was zero. It wasn't a random number like 54. And that made you wonder, you know, were we limited capacity? Was it just like a terrible day? Nobody showed up. What what could it be? So that's our recommendation. Obviously, if you have limited fans, you're allowing a player guest list. You can modify that on your own. We're not doing attendance records this year. So it's, you know, it's it's more so for tracking purposes and historical purposes that we think it makes sense to to list that zero, but obviously if you wanna do things differently on your end, that's totally fine. And then I think, uh, so two other quick things, we've had a lot of emails about coaches mi missing games, whether they are out for contact tracing or whatever. If it's a temporary thing, they're gonna miss just a game or two. 
we usually say to go ahead and still credit the record to the head coach. They're involved with the game planning. You know, they've been a part of the process. Obviously, if it's a lengthier leave of absence or there are different circumstances, we can always adjust. We do have coaching policies in our um, in our stats manual, or sorry, our stats policies that you can reference if you want some st situations. But again, we can always review those on a case-by-case -case basis too. But right now it seems like a coach is missing a game or two. Makes sense to just keep the record credited to the head coach rather than adding in an alternate coach just for those games. And then lastly, we have also had questions about players opting out mid-season and how best to handle those from a roster standpoint and from your season stats. So once a player has played any sort of participation in any game, we cannot delete them from the roster. So historically, they are part of your season. They are part of your stats. Um, we can't hide them. We can't you know, remove them just temporarily. So what we suggest is that you just change the number to 99 or something to avoid them accidentally getting entered into the game. Um, and then also, if you're using live stats, you can always mark them as inactive when you set up the game. That's an extra check. Please don't rename the person or try to delete their name and make their name a whole bunch of commas or something, because especially if this player is going to transfer um, or go on to another school or just from a historical standpoint, we, we want it to display correctly. So if you have specific questions on that, again, you can always let us know, but I think, um, you know, if you change the number, that is the best method to keep them out of your stats and prevent them from going in there. And hopefully that helps you guys out. Looking forward to more questions. Looks like there's a lot coming in now. Yeah, we're yeah. already about, yeah, we're already about halfway through. Let's uh, circle back to one that came in about the uh, on the on the stats.nca.org site. How do you change the season venue for your team if the list of venues does not include your new field? Uh, probably the best thing to do right now, uh, because uh, generally that's done with you're submitting schedules. Um, but we know that schedules are kind of weird right now. Not a lot of people submit schedules, or maybe they did an auto upload from Sidearm or something like that. So if you run into that, I would say reach out to us. We have a way that we can add the venue and then make sure it gets it gets added um, into our uh, into our database. Um, we may ask you for some more detail, you know, uh, uh, capacity or, or or things like that. Um, or we may just kind of leave it blank for the time being, and then you can fill it in, you know, the next time you're updating your schedule. Typically, it's when you update your schedule, but we can add it in at any time. So it's really it's really not imperative. It's just something that we kind of track on. It's helpful uh, in the NCAA Live Stats uh, piece uh, as they're pulling data in to have that information as part of the uh, Live Stats. Uh, but but it's not imperative. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about it. But certainly, reach out to us. We'll help you out with that. And you can you can email me if you want. I mean, I'm happy to do it. So, um, being one of the people that's on campus, you know, I'll I'll testify to how great the entire NCA staff is about that. Um, like I said, I wear a gen out during volleyball season. At least I try not to. But um, another question is: there official language the NCA is using to denote that a season was canceled due to the pandemic? Uh, referencing about coaches' year-to-year -year records. 
the answer to that is yes. Um, we have that listed in our COVID-19 policies as well. Um, I just pulled it up so I can make sure I read it correctly. Um, certain verbiage such as no games were played during the 2021 season due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you can also check our record books for, for the um, last year. We denoted through all of our record books, um, whether it was halted, swimming and diving were some, was one of the championships that was played a little bit and then did not was not able to be finalized. So we do have verbiage and language within both our record books as well as the COVID-19 policies that's on um, NCA.org. Um, another general audience question there, um, how they want to know how the best way to train students when we normally rely on student athletes who are now playing this spring. What are your thoughts on those? That's a, that's a great question. It, and, and look, I mean, we understand that like the challenges going into this year are, are really, really unique. And um, I, I don't have a perfect answer for that. I don't know if any of the three of us do. Maybe maybe uh, Matt and Jen and Sahar have a better answer. But, um, you know, I guess I, I would say, you know, try to as, try your best to get some people who might be available, maybe some some non-student athletes. I know that's hard, hard to do a lot of times. Um, and maybe talk to some of your other SIDs that are around you that are, are in, the, in the same situation. Maybe they have some students um, that that might be interested in helping out. I, I think I think it's a really I think this year is a challenge, and and we know it. Um, it it's unlike anything any of us have ever experienced, and so we don't. Unfortunately, we don't have all the answers. I wish I had a better answer for you. I don't know if someone else does, but uh, but yeah, I. I, I feel for that situation because it's it's not anything any of us want to want to have to be involved in. So, yeah, certainly in some places you where there's a fall spring overlap, you know, your winter sports athletes might be complete. I mean, that's a season that might conclude here short term. But you're right, if they're not around, or if the only reason they were around to play, um, you know, maybe hard. Uh, you know, those recruiting things and the things that people do. You know, I was a an SID on campus, and you know, that was one of the hardest jobs I had to do. Yes, how do you recruit and, and find bodies uh, and people who are interested? And then maybe you stumble across somebody who has a passion for this that you turn into a full-time member of COSIDA down the line because it's a, a job and a role that they never knew existed uh, and, and getting in the door. And a lot of times that is athletes that they play one sport and then they're tasked with helping out uh, at the University of Indianapolis. There's a lot of that going on that one team staffs the events of a whole nother team you know, as part of, uh, you know, their fundraising and things like that, where, you know, in short too, sometimes you're just looking to have less people around. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, as Jeff said, you know, no great answers um, on our end. That may be an additional one that they add for uh, <laughs> the uh, Capital One listening and leading series of people that have had some success doing that in this this time, and, you know, finding some people and, and, and whatever they can offer to do and, and be involved. Yeah, and I should say, I mentioned other students. It's not lost on us that students, by and large, aren't on campus either, you know, and that a lot of them are doing, you know, doing learning virtually. So, uh, you know, it, you know, we feel for you guys. I mean, it's tough. I, 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 I don't know, you know, what we would do in our situations. I mean, I, I was fortunate in the places I've been that we had some community volunteers um, for, for almost all of our sports, and that was great. Uh, so if we got in a situation like this, we always had local volunteers um, or people, even some people that we paid. Um, but 
you know, you're, you're right. It's it's a it's a question that's tough to answer. And I think that hit the head on the nail on the head is like it's just an idea. It's just a. I mean, these forums are the way to do that is to share ideas and things like that. And so if there's a way that you can communicate with other with other SIDs that are in the same boat and find some best practices, that's I mean, that's really the best thing we can do. We I mean, we don't have any training mechanisms in place, unfortunately. I mean, I know speaking for someone who's on campus, um, we just should just try to do the best we can and use whoever students, athletes for whenever that we just basically work around their schedule. And if they can only do maybe half the number of games that they normally would have, that's that's in from my point of view, that's better than nothing. So that's how we're doing it at Maryville. Um, let's return to another question. Um, it looks like there were a couple of these wondering about um, the is there going to be a special notation of seniors who come back and maybe uh, artificially pad their their career numbers is there going to be a notation or something yeah i mean i think matt touched on this a little bit as it relates to our record books that sometimes we, we do have that in in some of our record books that you know this player may have played a fifth year or, or or whatever the case may be the other thing that that's important to note here is you know all of all of our all of our teams across all of our sports play a different number of games um, so this is, you know, this isn't really unheard of. Uh, yeah, having six years is a little different um, than, than we've ever seen before. Uh, but, but like Matt said earlier, too, you know, we've had players that maybe got a medical red shirt and got part of a fifth year or, or whatever the case may be. Or we've had teams that play 80 games in one year where another team in that same sport may play 50 games, you know, in, in a baseball situation. So it's not unheard of that we have a lot more games for some players than other players. So that's part of the other reason why we sort of, you know, are combining them all. Do I anticipate that we'll have a lot of asterisks next to names because of, uh, 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 you know, a lot of sort of padded stats for lack of a better term. I, I don't think that's going to happen a lot, but I mean, it is something, I guess that it, if something is really out of whack or somebody, you know, um, breaks a record because they got, you know, a, basically five full years. I mean, I, I think it's something that we have to look at in the record books. Our our uh, data in our database doesn't have an easy way to make an asterisk, you know, just automatically in our in our data, but certainly in our, our record books where we are more manually editing those in a sense, uh, that's something that we could probably do. Once again, we want to remind the audience to go ahead and if you have questions for our NCA stats crew, uh, go ahead and submit them into the chat. Um, well, we're still trying to catch up on a lot of them and we'll move on to the next one. Um, it says new SID here. Is there a way to export stats from NCA live stats to an XML and or HTML format? Um, I'm sorry, was that, a, was that for season stats? Is that, I, I'm sorry, Chuck. Well, I, I think that I think, I think so. Stats. Yeah, I okay. think so. Okay. And probably yeah. career stats. Yeah, yeah, career season. Yeah, so not not right now. Um, there, there's not a way to to generate that as an XML or an HTML. Uh, probably something you could reach out to uh, the the support team at NCAA. So it's just uh, NCAA support at geniussports.com. Uh, that'll get you the NCAA live sets team. Uh, you can reach out to them with any questions you have about how best to manage and, and take season stats, put them on your website or whatever the case may be. They, they could probably help you out with that. 
Okay, we got another one on uh, career stats. Is there is it possible to have the career leaders on on stats.nca.org show players who are in the system who haven't played a game yet this year? Um, I guess some of those schools that didn't that got pushed back is uh, especially with the different start dates for schools. Is it, it's tough to track those. They want to know how that is possible to look at. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't feel like I'm answering all the questions. I should let Matt and Jen and Zahar answer some of these, but um so so that's a that's a little bit of a of a of a tricky one kind of um while the rosters are updated it, it's sometimes hard to know exactly who's active until they play um so the, the answer to your question is yes i mean we're trying we're trying some things to do that right now the way the application works is they kind of have to play a game in order to be an active career leader um that's that's what kind of signifies that a player is active they've played a game right so um that's sort of what's what it's doing now. We do have some some things on our back end um, that we have access to, and some ways we run career reports. It actually does show everybody that's on a current roster, um, so even a team that hasn't played this year. But but this year it's especially challenging, right? Because if I had, I still have rosters for teams that have completely opted out of the season, and should those players who have opted out of the season be included in our active career leaders? And that, that's part of the challenge that we have is trying to balance, you know, play, teams that aren't playing at all this year versus teams that just haven't started yet, um, but, but maybe playing this year. So, so that's the balance that we're trying to strike. And so the way it currently works is, yeah, the player has to play a game to be sort of designated as active. So no, per, probably not a perfect answer, but that, that's the way it is right now. But it is something that we are trying to work on. So yeah, I, think, I think Jeff hit it on the head, right? If they haven't played, they're not active, so they're not an active career leader. Yeah, that's the long and the short of it. Okay, here's a question, and it's one that I always wonder. Are there plans to make an NLS NSCM feature so that we can look up single season or career records for our teams, or do we need to keep exporting pack files to stat crew? Um, I know I asked I asked those guys, the, the NLS guys, about that. I know they're working on it, but I don't know where it stands. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that that is important that gets done. Um, and we've, you know, just like you guys, I mean, we asked that question of the of the uh, NCAA Live Sets team too. So yes, the answer is yes, it is coming. Uh, it is something they're working on, but it's just, it's just uh, it's it's like a lot of things. I mean, it's it's gonna it's it takes a lot of work to kind of build that out. Um, but but over time, we've been adding. That career information in there obviously you know that those of you who do football volleyball and soccer know that those career reports are now available for your current players um, and so the next step is to sort of make an archive where you can go out and pull career leaders maybe previous season leaders and things like that out of it as well so it's just it's just further reports that need to be filled out of that application so i don't have a timeline uh, i wish i did uh, but I, I i personally don't have a timeline that i could give on that right now I mean, I know for uh, the people who are on sidearm, that's uh, it's the step that we have to take to try to get some season and or um, career stats up to date or whatever. Um, let's go to another audience question. How will the 2000, how, how will the 2020, 21 record books look after this season? Yeah, good question. Uh, certainly there are plenty of details uh, in the COVID-19 policies that are on NCA.org. I think, you know, the main point of the question things, single season records and awards, and I think we're still exploring 
you know, what that's going to look like. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, we're trending towards where we would do, um, you know, statistical champions, you know, kind of in this season. You know, if you get a single game record in any single game, that would be included like it normally would. You know, we've talked about career records. Those would compile as they would normally compile towards a career. Uh, but where things would fit in in terms of uh, per game team and individual single season averages and what where that would slide into uh, record books, you know, we're kind of still exploring that. So I think we got to get through the year and see what it looks like. So we have a sense of what, you know, the data and how many games teams played and, and where things and where things are at. And then we can make a more informed decision as opposed to trying to project at this point in January and trying to, and when this question is coming up in the fall and the previous spring, you know, trying to project what we want to do, I think to make the most informed decisions to get through 2021, see what, see what comes through, see how the majority of the membership played and competed across the point of that year. And then we can make a more informed decision uh, on that kind of thing. Unless um, Jen or Sahar have anything to kind of follow up on that. I, I think Matt's hit it on the head. I, I think a, a, there might be a point at which we have to kind of decide what a what a reasonable number of games is in a, in a given sport for season per game averages. Uh, you know, obviously the football season, um, you know, the FBS football season is basically for, for, for the most part was complete um, in the fall. But there were teams that played three, four games. And, and you know, should those should those, you know, if somebody were to set a. Uh, you know, a, uh, a season average, a season record for, you know, I don't know, rushing yards per game should, should that count if they played three, three games. And uh, those are, those are questions that we're going to have to answer as we go through and, and finish up those record books. And that's right. The, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, by and large, the fall's not over. <laughs> you know, we've got a lot of games still left for the fall, uh, even though it's, it's now almost February. So, um, so, so there's, there's still a lot of things to, sort of to be determined as, as it relates to that. So I think, I think, I think Matt nailed it. Um, he's exactly right. Um, I wanted to go back to something that Zahar said about credentialing for this to the championships. Um, can you kind of change or highlight how things might be really different or how, how, uh, how difficult it might be to get extra credentials or even fewer credentials that will be issued this year for championships? Yeah, so you 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 alluded to all the things that we're we're talking and exploring and, and thinking about. Um, yes, the nine times out of ten, we're going to have fewer credentials. Um, normally, when you would have had an all-access credential, um, that may not be the case any longer because we have to perhaps zone areas that we didn't have zoned previously. Um, the idea of having people walk wherever um, in an all-access credential is probably not going to be the mood for this year because of our tiers. Um, according to that Return to Champs guide, there are certain um, entities that are in that tier one that's typically going to be your student athletes and in the travel party. Um, those who are in tier two are in that middle ground and then those who are in tier three can't be anywhere near your tier ones. Your tier three is probably going to be most of our media. Um, so knowing how you're working with staff and how, you know, we'll outline um, as, as the championships come um, what those tiers are and who is allowed within those tiers um, is going to be pivotal. Your, your staffing may not be the same at, at these championships um, where you normally would have been able to bring, you know, multiple SIDs that may not be 
the, the case, um, you know, just due to to the restrictions of facility um, due to state regulations. If uh, you know capacity numbers, um, there are a lot of things that are going to that are going to go into um, how we um, are able to staff championships and and cover the championships. So I got to tell my AD he can't get onto the wrestling mat, right? <laughs> Um, a couple Definitely of you, not Matt. I will say one other thing um, that, that you just that I neglected to mention, and that is um, we're efforting, and we had done this pre-COVID, um, but it'll be even more important this year as well to have a virtual presence at the championship. So in areas where, um, and, and again, many of you may be doing it on campus already, but in areas where some of the press conferences may have been in person, they are now going to be, um, you know, virtual. There may have been, you know, bigger media days where that's no longer the case. We may be doing them in, in different formats than we previously have done to um, be able to provide for um, our media outlets to still be able to cover the championships if there isn't able to be a physical presence there. Um, restrictions on seating capacity as far as in the venue, you know, our, our layouts of seating charts and where media is, is going to look very different than it has in previous years. So again, it's just going to be very important that we are communicating with one another, that we are paying attention to the documents that are being um, presented from either our operations staff or media coordination staff so that um, we can, we still want obviously everyone to cover the championship, but it's, it's going to just have a different look than it has in previous years. And uh, a note to the audience, um, there'll be some posts and PDF links to the, the COVID media coordination policy. Um, also, that's going to be on there is going to be a, a, a who to contact on the media coordination and statistics staff. Um, I know me personally, I have, it, I have it bookmarked, so I know who to bother on a regular basis. Uh, but those will be included on the uh, webinar story on cosida.com. Um, let's see, we got a general, it looks like it's a comment. Um, the current players' career stats are looking great. Looking forward to seeing more options in the future. Are there going to be some other options that are going to be brought forth to the membership? I, I, I'm I'm guessing that's a that's an NCAA live stats question. Um, and so yeah, I think I think the yeah I think the biggest thing is just what what you know what you guys asked about earlier. That is um, the biggest feature coming up would be the uh, the ability to. Uh, do more career reporting, more you know, archive type uh, tracking. Um, also, I think there, there's there's constantly attempts to like improve the outputs of season reports. So not just the same things that you could get uh, previously with Stat Crew, but maybe expand that a little bit more. Um, you know, as it relates to, I'm throwing things out there, so I, I'm I'm not <laughs> I may not be real specific here, but you know, you're tracking more things in basketball, like you're tracking fouls drawn, for instance, and maybe, you know, being able to have like a fouls drawn report for the season or something like that. Um, you know, just things like that, that as people make those requests to the NCAA Live Stats team, um, I'm sure they're taking those and trying to figure out what makes sense for, you know, if they get, if they get enough questions on a certain topic, that's, that's kind of how they, they say, you know, these are, these are things we need to add. But, but in addition to that, we're also, we're also trying to uh, work on new sports too. So baseball and softball are right down the line. I mean, we're, we're hoping, to, we were actually hoping to maybe do some testing on baseball and softball this year, but unfortunately the way the, the way the, the year broke out um, with, with COVID and furloughs and everything else, it's probably going to be pushed back. Um, and maybe some development starting in the spring uh, with with probably some uh, some testing done maybe a little bit in the fall but certainly by next spring on baseball softball 
Beach volleyball is uh, in the process of being developed right now. Um, and then obviously lacrosse, uh, field hockey, things like that are being developed. So I think those are the kind of the things to come as it relates to the NCAA Life Status Project. So uh, it's a constant, constant uh, uh, thing right now. So, and certainly uh, we know it's really important to everyone. So it's, it's really important to us as well. And I know, um, well, go ahead, Matt. No, I wanted to make kind of a quick pivot back to what Sahar was talking about. You know, in terms of travel party and traveling with your team, I think what you're going to see this, you know, tier one is going to be your travel party, and that's going to be pretty restrictive in terms of the amount of numbers. So if you're used to traveling with a team video person that travels with the team and is in the locker room, you're going to need to work with your coaching staff and your administration to make sure that that person is accounted for in that travel party. Uh, if they don't make the cut of 34 people, they're not going in the locker room with the travel party. They're going to be up top or some other, you know, far removed tier three media place, you know, shoot the game. I think we'll, as best as venues will allow, you know, take care of that, you know, yourself as an SID, you know, if you're typically around your team and in the locker room and on the bus, you're probably going to need to make sure that you're working, that you're included as part of that tier three, that tier one number based on what are, it's going to vary by championship and sport based on the number of players and those kind of things. Uh, is, is definitely to keep in mind and begin those conversations if you think you're going to be competing in NCAA championship competition and that open line of communication to be included in that. Uh, you know, I think we'll be able to do some things, you know, make sure if you're not included that you'd be in the venue, but you would be tier three media at that point. Um, you know, to be in that tier one, you may need to make sure you're working with your coaching staff and your administrations, um, you know, to not get forgotten about or those kind of things where you're trying to roll in with your team and, hey, where's your tier one credential? Uh, and that kind of thing. You know, some people have seen kind of some of the stuff come out. I think, you know, Division One men's basketball is the most forward, you know, but kind of some of those additional championship are being, you know, being developed. But it's all going to be a pretty similar model, um, you know, across the board. Yes, great points there, Matt. Um, another question from the audience. Uh, Zahar mentioned that we should have received an email in regard to the 2021 championships. I don't recall receiving that. Um, could the NCA resend that out or has it not been sent out at all? It wasn't sent out by us, um, but it was a return to championships guide and um, it is located on our NCA.org page. Um, and I'm going to pull it up so that I am clear. I'm looking at it right now. If you um, can, I add this to the chat. To the chat, I believe I just added it to the chat as well. So that should be the direct link and it allows you to go sport by sport and um, and review what is currently the return to chance guide. Yeah, and so I mentioned that wasn't sent out by our staff necessarily sent out by our operations staff. It's possible and I we don't have insight into where it was sent. It's possible it may have been sent to people who are so already been selected as hosts um and that, that's how they that's how they distributed it at least initially and then put it put it in this in this uh online form sort of for the for the global masses or it could have gone to ad's and the ad's didn't pass along i mean we <laughs> you know we, sure. we've, all been there. We've, we've all been there so so i so we don't really know we don't really have uh the insight on, on how it was sent out but yeah uh so harsh provided that i know i know bones just re, reposted it so that everybody can see it so uh, yeah, I think um, probably getting it through the NCAA.org site is, is the best way. So 
and I would say that it's a working document. So with everything, <laughs> with our COVID policies, with with all the things that we're mentioning as as links, um, you know, know that it's fluid. Um, we're every day having conversations with, you know, what these policies look like and what it, how it will pertain to each individualized championship. Um, so just bear in mind with that as well. Our new favorite phrase is moving target. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to say I want to go back to the precedented times. Um, we've got we've got a couple more minutes left here. Again, if you got some final questions for the uh, NCA staff here, please put them into the chat. Um, I wanted to go back to something that uh, Jennifer Rogers said. What are some other best practices that we should do for scheduling that'll make our lives easier and your lives easier, for, especially as we talk with the uh, re rescheduled sports uh, for like baseball and softball in the spring? Sure, I think communication is key on that. So another point I had failed to mention, but I wrote down is we we have heard about our scheduled deadlines being way too early and we agree with it. But the problem is if we have contests being played, which this weekend we have softball and baseball underway, we have to get the whole system rolled over. So that's why at least now we have, I mean, more for our sanity than anything, allowed you guys to make schedule changes and additions during the year. So again, I think communication is just the biggest piece of that. The frustration we see, I think, is if a game is changed and that, you know, the home team doesn't change it and it's, you know, still incorrect a few days after the announcement was changed, sometimes there's frustration there. So just knowing how that link functions, knowing that you can go in and make changes to your home games, knowing that you need to communicate for away game changes to be made, um, you know, neutral sites, knowing that that's going to ha be handled by one of the teams, figuring that piece out is good. Another reminder, I guess, would be for conference tournaments. A lot of people put TBA placeholders on their schedules, which is okay. A lot of times we delete them out. Once we have conference tournament schedules, our staff actually builds out the bracket within our system so that we can help automatically advance teams along. So I know we have some really, really good SIDs who the second the bracket is announced, they run out there and they add those games. Um, and then put TBAs on there. Just know that our staff is going to build those out. We'll handle that. Um, really, I mean, the, the best thing is for you guys to just keep emailing some of these questions about schedules because, you know, we see it from our standpoint. We don't always look at it from the campus side. So a lot of times we'll get a question like, oh, that's that's a great point. How, you know, the conference scheduling was one. We didn't anticipate that. We didn't think leagues would issue a schedule, wipe that out, put out a whole new schedule, or in some cases, do a week-by-week -week schedule. So we're, we're figuring it out at the same time, but never hesitate to reach out and let us know some of these things, because obviously it could change the way we do things. We could maybe make it easier. There might be a workaround. So we're happy to hear from you on that. If I could add one other thing, um, just from a communication standpoint, just like you'll have our information if you don't already have it um, to be able to know who to contact. We want to make sure that we're reaching out to the correct people as well. And typically um, when you would have submitted your schedule, as Jeff indicated, when you're able to put that venue information in, you're also able to put your contact information in for the year so that, again, our database allows us to pull the distribution list based off of those sports. In the event that you weren't able to do that and you're now at the point that you're editing schedules and you couldn't update your your sport if you change sports if you change universities or you know institutions reach out to us and we'll update that on the back end we don't want to contact someone who is the incorrect person and we don't want to not contact someone when we because we don't have a name there for, for that correlates to the particular sport as well 
So Harbeck's a great point and something that we've talked about, and, and I'll take the blame on this for not having done it. I, I, I may try to see how difficult it will be on our side to get those SID contacts on that on that edit schedule page um, that currently exists for, for, for sports that are in season right now and see if we can't do a better job of allowing you guys to manage that, that there as well. That, that, that might be something that, that we can do since that page is always available once the season begins. Um, so you can, again, see who we've got listed as a contact. Sometimes it's the wrong person and we don't know. It's a, it's a, and we don't get a bounce back. Um, if, if the email system that it goes to doesn't provide a bounce back to us, we don't know that it needs to be changed. It, it, as far as we know, it's going through fine. So, so those are all things that, uh, like Sahar said, are really helpful if you can make sure that we have the right contact in, in a various sport. So. Okay, we're getting down to the end of uh, the seminar here. Um, if uh, maybe any of our four panelists had any final parting words that they wanted to get in there for the, something that they forgot that they wanted to mention earlier. Surprise panelist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank everybody, you know, that joined us today. You know, there are going to be people listening later uh, on the playback or on the podcast. I want to thank those people uh, for listening and tuning in. I think, you know, we've got some valuable stuff here, some questions that really led, uh, you know, some really good questions in here as well. So thank you to everybody and thank you to COSIDA uh, for inviting us to be a part of this. Yeah, Matt, Matt hit it on the head. Just thank you guys for joining us, both the, those of you joining us live and those who are looking, watching it on demand. I mean, obviously this is a great forum for us to, to get some information out um, that, that, that you guys are, are interested in, but but also don't hesitate to reach out to us. I, we, we feel like we're fairly accessible as a group. Um, certainly in, in our group, we are anyway. Um, and we don't always have all the answers. We'll do our best to try to get you the answer. Uh, but you can email any of us for any sport. Um, you know, like Jen talked about, you know, she does a lot of D2 basketball or D2 sports and then has been doing D1 men's basketball. I do baseball and, and football in Division One primarily. But I mean, if you email me a lacrosse question, I'm going to answer it if I can answer it. I'm not I'm not going to pass it off unless I can't answer it and I need to send it to Matt or to Martin Baddock or somebody like that. So but if it, you know, typically, you know, some of those questions are I've got a problem with my lacrosse roster when I'm putting it in. Those are questions that any of us can answer. So don't hesitate emailing any of us and we'll get you the answer. Okay, like I said, we'll we'll basically wind this up now. Um, thanks again to Zahar Abdul-Rashid, Matt Holmes, Jennifer Rogers, Jeff Williams. Like I said, appreciate everyone's time. Um, reminder that we, you can find this webinar on demand later this afternoon and on cosida.com on the YouTube channel. It's also going to be in, in a podcast format. Um, all the links will be on cosida.com and all the in-demand options too are going to be free. Um, once again, the next big uh, COSIDA webinar will be pre-taped. It's going to be the NAIA SIDA seminar, which will be available Tuesday, February 9th. That'll focus on mental health and physical wellness for the spring semester. Once again, more details to come on COSIDA.com. One final thing before everyone gets off of here, a uh, quick reminder about the COSIDA.com freelancers database page. People can access it directly at COSIDA.com slash freelance or under the career tabs on COSIDA.com. We encourage everyone to get added. Uh, you don't need to be a member. It's basically for freelance definition and other game day personnel. Um, that's it. Like I said, we'll wind us up. And thank you, everyone, again, for joining us today. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so thank much. You.